All right, so we're in Luke chapter 17, and um, I'm not sure how far we're going to get, but uh, we're going to try to get through the first uh, 10 verses, but we'll see. We'll see how it happens. And um, so we're in Luke chapter 17, and I titled this uh, Triggered. Triggered. Uh, And um, I want to read the first few verses. And so at least we'll get something in our mind as far as God's word is concerned, and then we'll we'll pray over it, and then we'll get going. It says here in Luke 17, Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Verse 3, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Father in heaven, we come to you now, Lord, and we're grateful, Father, for a place that we can meet, a place where we can worship you, uh, hear from your word, uh, be among your people. Uh, Father in heaven, we're just so grateful for for a, a place like this and the opportunity to, to do this. And Father, as we consider um, what's going on in the world today and how fear seems to be driving this planet, I pray. I, I am so grateful, Lord, that uh, in you we have peace. Uh, in you, Father, we can trust, and that we can, uh, even when those fears do kind of uh, creep into us, uh, Lord, we know we can cast all of our care upon you, for you care for us. We thank you and praise you, Father, uh, for the word that you've given us to assure us, and the spirit within us to strengthen us. We thank you, and in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I believe that chapter 17, uh, from verse 1 to verse 10, is a continuation of what had started all the way back in uh, Luke chapter 15 and verse 1, uh, where the Pharisees had taken exception uh, to Jesus associating with the publicans and sinners, uh, which I uh, titled them as the, the unredeemable. Uh, after his story of the rich man and Lazarus and his uh, uh, his uh, uh, comments about uh, the the serving two masters and and the parable of the unjust steward, okay, I'm just thinking this is just me. I'm thinking that perhaps the Pharisees uh, may have been getting their dander up a little bit, okay, hearing these words from Jesus, because quite frankly, if if I were in their place, I would know that you know what I'm. I'm guilty of the very thing that Jesus is addressing here. So it may be that they were getting their dander up a little bit. And, and again, it's just pure speculation on my part. Maybe, you know, maybe the disciples were recognizing this. I mean, uh, um, they had addressed Jesus once before about this topic when uh, Jesus was teaching and, and preaching and, and it caused the Pharisees to get upset and in Matthew 15:12 it says then came his disciples and said knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended you know uh, so I don't know maybe you know maybe that's going on too uh, the Lord was always go ahead maybe that rich man that they knew that rich man 
That's possible. And they probably thought he was a great guy. That's very possible. That's very, very possible. You know, because that's the type of man that they looked at and elevated in their own esteem. So it's very, very possible. Um, And it seems like the Lord was always saying something (laughs) or doing something that upset these these gentlemen. uh, Because, quite frankly, he was contrary to their their values and to their beliefs. And, you know, that's going to happen. That's just going to happen. Now, I, I can't say with absolute certainty that this would be on the minds of the disciples or that this was going on. But certainly the context makes it a possibility. But nonetheless, the Lord is speaking to who? He's speaking to his disciples. And so he's instructing his disciples and he's talking to his disciples about this uh, topic of being offensive. And yes, the Pharisees are right there and they're listening too. Right? They're hearing this too. So he's talking about uh, being offensive. So he says here in verse 1, then said he unto his disciples, he says, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. The word offense uh, is uh, is a Greek word that we get our English word scandal from. Or to scandalize. All right, it's the it's the word to scandal. The same word is also translated in another place in the Bible as stumbling. First John two ten. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. It's the same the same word. Uh, also, he uh, it's used in uh, Romans fourteen thirteen. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather. That no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. So that's the same word. It's the same word. So clearly the offense that Jesus is talking about is something that would cause one to stumble in their walk or their relationship or perhaps even in their faith with God. All right, so that's a very, that's a very, I think, accurate application. Uh, the same word is used by the Greeks when they're talking about a trigger on a trap, like this stick on this box tied to bait. This is that same word, scandalion, is what it's is what it's called in the Greek, and so that's that's that that stick. That when it's triggered, what happens? That trap is sprung and the prey is caught. So that's what he's talking about. Man, I tell you what, have we not heard that word triggered in our society today? I mean, it, it is there. It's, it's out there. It seems like hardly anything can be said today without somebody being triggered. Without somebody being scandalized. <laughs> yeah, trip your trigger. Without somebody being scandalized about something. I mean, even, even with this current virus, there are people triggered uh, to claim that if you speak about the virus in relationship to a certain ethnic group, then you're racists. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. So what Jesus is saying when he said it is impossible, but that offenses will come, 
That is so accurate, even for today. Even for today. It's impossible in this world and in this life, either one, not to be offended, or two, be the one who causes the offense. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. It's just the way it goes. You're either going to offend someone or somebody's going to offend you. You just can't get away from that. You just can't get away from that. Uh, Jesus mentions about the world. He says the world is a, is a place of offense. He says in Matthew 8, 7, he says, Woe unto the world because of offenses. This whole world is full of offenses. This whole world is triggered by, by anything, whether it's religion or politics, you know, or policy or whatever. This whole world just gets, gets triggered. And not only is, is the world full of triggers and snares and traps that get people tangled up in sin and controversy and whatever, you've also got somebody else running around <laughs> behind this world system that's setting the traps. He is. He's setting the trap. Psalms 91.3 says, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Who is this fowler? It's the devil. It's the devil. He's running around like that old-time wilderness trapper who's going along the creek and setting his traps. That's what he's doing in this world. He's setting all these Traps to trigger people into controversy, trigger people into trouble, trigger people into sin and all sorts of things. Uh, that's just the environment. That's just the environment we we live in. This this world that is easily triggered, easily triggered. Now Christ, because of his character, I mean, uh, he was a trigger to who? He was a trigger to the Pharisees, wasn't he? Sure he was. He was a trigger to the Pharisees. His ministry, his, his character, his words, everything was a trigger to the Pharisees. Peter spoke about this in 1 Peter 2, 7. He says, unto you therefore which believe he is precious. Isn't he precious to you? Right? But unto them which be disobedient... The stone which the builder disallowed, the same as made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient. That's why they stumble. That's why they're offended. They're disobedient against the word. It wasn't anything about Jesus except for the fact that he spoke the truth. He was the truth. And he didn't fit their idea of what a Messiah was all about. He was completely contrary to everything that they believed about the Messiah and what the Messiah should do and what the Messiah should be about. And so they were offended. They were offended. Folks will always become offended when you face them with the truth I even get offended when somebody you know confronts me with the truth about something that's just our nature and that seems really especially so in our woke culture (laughs) we live in a woke culture whatever that means 
So, yes, offenses will come. But this isn't really what Jesus is addressing here. Um, The key here is the word little ones. That's the key, I believe. Uh, Matthew 18, 6, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me. That's the key, I think, to this whole thing that Jesus is talking about. Now, the world, yeah, uh, it'll cause the little ones to get tripped up into temptation. It'll cause the little ones to become offended. The fowler, he certainly will go around and do his best to to trip their triggers or, or cause them to stumble uh, in their relationship with God and in, in, their, in their faith with God. But what Jesus is saying here is he says, you better not be the one that causes one of these little ones to stumble. Don't you be one of those ones to cause the little ones to stumble. You see, the Pharisees were guilty of this. The Pharisees were guilty of this uh, in the way they treated the publicans and sinners who were coming to Jesus with their condescending attitude. They were offensive to the little ones. These publicans and these sinners who were coming to Jesus, they were becoming a stumbling, they could have been a stumbling block for some of these folks. So Jesus is, is speaking to his disciples. Now his disciples, which included the apostles, they had a very important, a very um, sober uh, office, didn't they? Being apostles, uh, being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, Think about it. These were the men who were going to take over, if you will, or continue on the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ when Jesus ascended into heaven weren't they so they had a very grave responsibility placed upon their shoulders I mean these were the men who were going to preach the gospel and and get it to to cover the face of the earth and these were the ones that God was going to use to set down the doctrines of the church and, and for this age of grace so these guys had a very very important position and they and so the Lord was telling these men don't be offensive to these remember what I called them what the Pharisees referred to uh, thought they were unredeemable these little ones these little ones I think what Jesus is stressing is the grave responsibility to these men and to us about living a life in such a way that one's behaviors or one's actions or one's words may possibly lead someone into sin or even keep them from coming to Jesus. Now, do you think that's possible? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's possible. It's very, very possible. Uh, Paul would later on talk about this in Romans 14, 19 through 21. He says, he says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure. But it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended 
or is made weak. So we have to be careful. We do. We have to be careful. Uh, This is why we have the word scandalous. We have to be careful. Um, It would be very irresponsible on our part if we lived a life that would influence others into a sinful life. That's very irresponsible. Very irresponsible. In fact, this matter is so serious that the Lord used the illustration, it would be better that you just go ahead and take a millstone, tie it around your neck, and jump into the sea first before you are the one who causes a little one to be offended in this way. That's pretty serious stuff. That's pretty serious stuff. And I think the key to all of this is um, holiness. Like what Brian's been teaching. Holiness. Uh, To aspire to live a, a holy life before God and men. You know, Peter talked about this in 1 Peter 1.13. He says, he says, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The wherefore relates back to this wonderful salvation that God has provided for us through his abundant mercy through Jesus. And he's saying in the light of this wonderful, great salvation that God has provided, he says we should live like who we are saved new creatures in Christ he goes on he says in verse 14 he says as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance but as he which hath called you is holy so be holy in all manner of conversation of course you understand the word conversation not only applies to the mouth but it also applies to the way we behave, right? Our lifestyle. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. So being Christians, as obedient little ones, okay, children of God, uh, what we're being exhorted to do is not fashion ourselves with respect to our former life before Christ. That's what it's saying. You know, don't live like you used to live. Don't talk like you used to talk. You know, don't live a life controlled by your lusts and selfish desires and passions of this old world that's going to pass away. You know, don't, don't do that. Don't be that type of person. When a person, a believer, lives this way, are they representing the Lord? before others are they identifying with the one who saved them no they're identifying with the world that they were saved from and that's that's what peter is saying he says don't don't play this masquerade game be real be sincere Uh, be true to the new creature that you are be true to that new creature that you are Now, those who have weak consciences about certain things, um, if they see what they consider a more mature believer doing those very things that causes them to become ensnared, 
what kind of message is that person getting? Hey, it's okay for me to trip the stick and get myself trapped again. That's what it's saying. So if they see, um, oh, I got to be careful here because I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but let's be honest. You know, my wife, she's on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. And some of the things that my Christian brothers and sisters put on Facebook, I wish they would exercise a little more wisdom in what they put on Facebook. Because there's other folks out there that see what's going on, and in their minds, they may be struggling with something, and they may see this Christian brother and sister involved with something, and they'll think in their heads, hey, if it's okay for them, it's okay for me. Sure, go ahead. My disciple, him and his wife, when Michelle and I first started to become disciples, um, we were struggling with the whole holiday thing, not the Christmas and all that, but dressing up in Halloween and all this. Right. And they went so far as immature believers, we were quickly offended sometimes, maybe. And so they, as our disciples, went so far as to say, look, we, we're not going to celebrate this this year. Although we do, and here's why. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but to not offend your conscience. Yep. You know, and what a testimony. Yep. Was, yep. Um, yeah. Of a mature believer, maybe doing just what you said. Yep. Giving homage to the new man. Yep. You know, and giving him more credit. So that's made a huge impact. Yeah, we, we had some really good friends years and years and years ago that they had the same convictions in regards to television viewing. So whenever they came to the house, we never turned the television on. You know, out of respect for their conviction. And that's totally fine. I totally get that. So you're absolutely right. But then again, you have, on the other hand, you've got these Christian leaders out there who get on Facebook and they'll show themselves with a, a glass of wine or a beer bottle in their hand. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to stand up here and judge those folks. What I'm saying is that there are Christians out there who are struggling with alcoholism. They see a Christian leader with this going on, and they're thinking, hey, if, if, if so-and-so is doing this, it's okay for me. Right? And so what happens is that little stick is, is kicked out of the way, and they're, they're trapped in their alcoholism. I hate it. I, I'm sorry about you know using that, but that that's what we've got to be careful of. That's what we've got to be sensitive toward. Um, something else. Uh, Romans sixteen seventeen. Now he says, "Now I beseech you, brethren." He says, "Mark them, which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly." And by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. All right, so not only by one's actions, but also by one's words. You've got to be careful. Um, there is a proper way to address issues in the church body. Okay? Uh, there are proper ways to... If you have... If Brian says something up here at the pulpit that you take issue with, all right? Uh, the thing to do is not to start a rumor mill or cause division in the church by running around in the hallways 
expressing your contrary point of view on whatever it is. There's a proper way to take care of this. You get your doctrinal ducks in order. You set up a meeting with the pastor. You go in and you discuss it with the pastor. And then you work out whatever it is that was said or may have been said. Or oftentimes it, it's, a, it's, it's a misunderstanding. Right? Oftentimes it is. But there are some folks that will take this as an opportunity to be um, the knight in shining armor as far as the doctrine of God is concerned. You know, running around as the champion. When in reality what's going on is they're causing division and disruption in the body of Christ. Yeah. Sowing discord among brethren. Yeah. You don't want to be that person. Example, um, (laughs) if they preach on money, money is one of those hot buttons with people. And people get really riled up when money is preached about, you know. And so what they'll do is they'll run around and they'll spread this stuff around and they should just go and talk to the pastor about it. So that's, that's the point. And a lot of times, um, more often than not that I've, what little exposure I have, it's more of a personal preference than it is actual doctrine, bad doctrine being taught, or perspective, uh, which really shouldn't amount to what it sometimes turns into. You just don't. You just don't want to be that. There's a there's a proper way to go about things, is what I'm saying. And honestly, if there's no if there's no resolution, if you if you can't you know come eye to eye on this thing, and your conscience you know tells you, well, I can no longer fellowship in this church. Be the man. Be the woman. Go up and tell the pastor. Okay, we've talked about it. I'm sorry. I still can't. Uh, so I'm choosing to leave then do so. But don't go out there and start telling everybody, hey, you know, Pastor so-and-so is teaching bad doctrine. You don't want to do that. Uh, he's God's man. And if he's, if he's wrong, I have seen this, I don't know how many times. If God's man's in the wrong, <laughs> God takes care of it. I, I don't know how many times. It scares me the many times I've seen that take place. That puts the fear of God in you. That puts the fear of God in you. But let me say this. If you're the one out there spreading rumors and slander about the pastor, and he happens to be right, and you happen to be wrong, that millstone is going to start looking pretty good (laughs) after God gets done dealing with you. So just don't be that guy. Don't go around spreading rumors and stuff. Don't be the one who trips that stick. You can be that person even if you're right and they're wrong. Huh? Even if you're right and they're wrong. Saying you're told if you're Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially if you're motivated by pride or something like that. Definitely, for sure. Yeah, that's just, that's just not the thing to do. That's just not the thing to do. So don't be a don't be a don't be the, the one who Trips the trigger, if you can help it. Now I know, 
it happens. What I'm saying is don't fall into that. Don't intentionally do that. Don't make that your goal in life, (laughs) if you understand what I'm saying. Just don't do that. Okay, so what happens if you're the one offended? Luke 17.3 says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, uh, thou shalt forgive him. So just as it is important that uh, you don't become that trigger, that stick that causes a brother or sister to stumble into sin, uh, it's just as important that when that brother or sister happens to sin against us or trespass against us, that we forgive them. It's just as important that we forgive them. And that can be difficult. That can be very difficult. Uh, The word trespass actually means uh, to sin, to sin against someone. Matthew 18, 21, then Peter Uh, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? It's the same word. Trespass, sin, it's the same word. Uh, Now the context of this is is the flip side of what the Lord had just addressed about not being the one who's, you know, the the one who is offending. Uh, This is talking about uh, when we become offended. When we become offended. Uh, when someone causes us to perhaps um, stumble or trip, what happens with some of us, <laughs> when that happens, we want our pound of flesh, right? With some of us, that's what it is. We want our pound. We want to, re- we want to react in a less than charitable way. You know, we want, uh, we want our pound of flesh. The key here is uh, charity, being charitable. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity is the key. Uh, now, understand, Jesus is not teaching here that we become doormats. That's not what he's saying here. Unfortunately, there's some believers, some brothers and sisters in Christ that, you know, they believe themselves to be somebody's doormat and allow people to wipe their feet on them. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He also doesn't advise us to ignore sin. Um, His instructions are quite clear. If it's something uh, deserving of rebuke, then we are to rebuke them. We are to address it. We are to not sweep it under the carpet, but we are to deal with it. We're to deal with it. Um, If folks don't know, right, you have to let them know. Sometimes people um, ignorantly trespass. They don't know what their behavior or their words are offensive. And they never will unless you, hey, you know what you just said. So, you, got, you know, they, you, that's, that's to their benefit. 
Because if you don't tell them, guess what's going to happen? They're going to do it again to someone else. And then that other person, they may not be as charitable as you would be. <laughs> right? So, yeah, you have to let them know. Um, I've had that happen. I've had folks come up to me and say, hey, Jeff, we need to talk. And I don't like it. But at least, you know, they cared enough to come up and let me know about it. To give me the opportunity to make amends if I have to or correct it. After I go home and cry in my pillow, you know, I'm okay. Yeah, but I appreciate that they do it. Jesus says that we are to rebuke the brother. That I'm to point out, you know, what's going on. How they trespassed against me. How they trespassed against me. Now, I'm not going to start listing sins. Because that's, you know, that's between you and whoever. You and God. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. My goodness, we'll be here all day long. Well, let me give you a few principles that I try to exercise um, when I find myself in that situation because it never is a pleasant situation to be in. Uh, Matthew 5.23 says, he says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. So I guess it's like we do this every Lord's Supper. If there is an awareness of a of a brother having something against you, if if you know if you've got something against them, and it's pretty serious, and there are times when believers are, are at odds with one another, this shouldn't be allowed to continue. It needs to be dealt with. It needs to be dealt with in a charitable, biblical, Christ-like manner. Because if you allow these issues to continue, what happens? There you go. If you don't treat a wound, what happens to that wound? Gets infected. There was a gal at work, uh, Joanne, cut her finger. Yeah, she cut her finger on a box knife. She didn't do anything about it. It got infected. And so bad, she had to go to the hospital and get it treated. You don't do that. You don't leave those things unresolved like that. You want, you want to resolve these things for the glory of God. Do all things for the glory of God. So often we kind of shrug these matters off. You know, that's his issue, not mine. It's really too bad they feel that way, but that's not my problem, right? Or it's not going to do any good to talk to them. That's not resolving anything. That's just sweeping it under the carpet. Let me tell you something about sweeping things under the carpet. (laughs) Only so much fits before it starts spilling out and everybody notices. We went to a, on a visitation, we went to a house. (sighs) You've heard of the hoarders? That's what this house was. And they had runners in the hallway. (laughs) And instead of the runners laying flat... It was like this. It was wavy. You know why it was wavy? Yeah, it was full. They were sweeping the dirt underneath the carpet. And you actually tripped over the carpet because of it. You don't want to live like that. 
You don't want to live like that. So you got to speak to the person. You got to let them know. First uh, Peter three ten says, "For he that will love life and see good de- de- days, uh, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile." He says, "Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. That's pursue it. You sue for it." You sue for it. So to sweep these matters under the rug, it doesn't help the situation. It doesn't. Deal with those things. Deal with those things. Matthew eighteen fifteen through 17 gives you the steps to take. Unfortunately, so many people, they don't follow those steps. And that's why you've got problems. You don't leave these matters unresolved. Uh, two... Is the trespass is the trespass bringing dishonor to God? When somebody trespasses against you, is that trespass bringing dishonor to God? You see, there are some sins, even though it may be directed toward you, there are some sins that just seem to spill over and bring dishonor to even God. I'll give you an example. Gossip. Gossip. A gossiping tongue uh, is just plain ugly all the way around. Proverbs 17.4 says, a, w- a wicked doer giveth heed to false lips, and a liar giveth ear to a naughty tongue. Gossip is one of those things, even though it may be directed at James or directed at Mark, that has a tendency to spill over and eventually bring dishonor not only to James or Mark, but also the one doing the gossiping and also to who else? The Lord. You got that right. Uh, Some of the worst gossips I've ever met (laughs) are Christians who should know better. Honestly. Honestly, and I think it's because the Christians, you know, they get so involved in other people's lives and they start discovering things about those people, you know, as they're trying to counsel them and stuff, that all of a sudden, oh, this is some juicy piece of news. I've got to tell so-and-so. If you've got a gossiping tongue, you have no business being a counselor. You really don't. Now, what is gossip? Well, according to Mr. Webster, it's idle chatter or repeating rumors about others. The casual, unconditional, uh, unconstrained conversation about people that generally involves details that are either not confirmed, right? You hear about Royal? He's got a dead body buried in his backyard. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Have you ever seen this dead body? Well, no, but that's what I've heard. Oh, you got two of them. <laughs> I hope they're pets. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I got several of those in my yard too, so. It's also, um, also something about gossip is um, sharing something that should have been kept confidential. Oh, that's a big one. That is a big one. Um, here's, the, here's, the, here's the one that I've heard. 
I'm only telling this about them because I want you to pray for them about it. Yes. Have you heard that one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can pray with... I, you know, there was a gal who used to say, I've got a... How she turned it? An unexpressed prayer request or something like that. You know, there was something going on, but it was just too sensitive to... But please pray for me on this matter. You can, you can leave it there. You can leave it there. You see, when a, when a believer is out there spreading gossip in the hallways... You're dishonoring the person, you're dishonoring yourself, and you are dishonoring Christ. That's just unacceptable. First uh, Timothy 5.13, he says, And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. You don't want to be that person. Uh, there have been times that I have confronted folks with loose tongues about what they've been saying. And I remember, <laughs> and the only reason why I remember this because it was kind of comical. I remember confronting one individual about something that they had said about me that was not true. And when I confronted them, <laughs> they sounded like a misfiring motorboat trying to take back what it was that they said. <laughs> but they needed to be confronted. They needed to be confronted. So gossip is just one of those things. And rebuke the person. Tell them about it. Because you're not doing them any good if you let them continue on, are you? I mean, they're continuing on in a sin. You know about this sin, so what does that make you? Kind of a... Yeah, what's the word... Yeah, you're affirming or you're empowering them or condoning. Yeah, enabling. That's the word. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Can I tell you a practice? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Proverbs twenty-one twenty-three says, "Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue, keeps his soul from troubles." <laughs> right? And I've seen gossips get into a lot of trouble. Uh, third one, and I probably have to close with this. There's a lot here. This is one. This is a sensitive subject. There's a lot here. Why is it sensitive? Why is there a lot here? It's relational. Isn't it? It's relational. And relationships can get complicated, can't they? They can. They can get very, very complicated. They really can. All right. Third thing I think to, to try, you know, that I try to keep in consideration is this. Is the trespass, you know, whatever it is, is it damaging my relationship with them and more importantly, is it damaging my relationship with God? Right? So is, is what, it is, what it is they've said or done, is it going to ruin my relationship with them? And, and then by extension, is it going to interfere or trip something that's going to interfere or hinder my relationship with God? He says here, 
In 1 Peter 3.8, he says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. You see, when we don't rebuke the trespass, we're simp- and we don't give them that opportunity to repent and make right, uh, more often than not, that person will continue on, uh, and they'll end up running the risk of offending others and if you and it could be that what's going on may cause you to begin to hate them that's not being charitable that's not being loving that's not being filled with the fruit of the spirit right then you start getting bitter and then you know what happens you begin to trespass against them because then you go, hey, James, you know, Royal, let me tell you about that no good. You see what's going on there? And then when you get into that place, what about your relationship with the Lord? That starts kind (laughs) of going downhill quick, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, you can... Mask it, cover it, excuse it, justify it. But in reality, your relationship with God is being affected. It is. It's being affected. It's being affected. Forgiveness is not for the person. Huh? Forgiveness is not for the person. And that's point six. Thank you, Royal. <laughs> no, that's perfect. You're tracking. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But that is a, that is a point later on. Uh, the, the, the charitable thing to do, Galatians 6.1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, see, you're not going to be spiritual if you're being hateful and bitter. and uh, Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself. Least ye also be tempted. At least she also, right? Exactly. Exactly. So there's that relational aspect. So the charitable thing to do is to meet privately with that individual, confront them in kindness, talk to them about it, let them know what's going on, give them the opportunity, right, to say, oh man, I wasn't aware. Or, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is what was going on. And then get that thing resolved. Get that thing worked out. And again, if they don't, uh, you've got Matthew 18 to go back to. That's when you start involving somebody else. If it's a serious enough matter. And we're talking about serious matters here. If it's a serious enough matter. Not because... (laughs) They don't like the color of shirt you wore that particular Sunday, okay? We're talking serious stuff. The pastor once said that ministry runs on the rails of relationships. I think there's a lot of truth in that. So when a relationship is damaged because of an unresolved offense, I guarantee you the ministry is affected. Irregardless of how deep you're involved in that ministry... It will be affected. And you don't want this to happen. If it's serious enough, 
It may even be the topic at a pastor's meeting some Sunday night. And you don't want to get to that level. You don't want to get to that level. Okay, I'm going to have to close there. So Jesus says that we are to rebuke the person that trespass against us. And that word rebuke is a very serious word. And I'm going to have to stop because there's a lot more. Because when it comes to rebuking, you know, we're talking a very serious uh, situation. Yeah, you can. In fact, the word rebuke, I will say this much. The, the word rebuke that Jesus uses here is the very same word used when he rebuked the storm when they were in danger of drowning and, rebu- uh, and rebuking the devils out of those who were possessed. So that's a strong word. Strong word. And since that word is so strong, what does that say about the, the issue? It's serious. It's a serious issue. So you just don't go around rebuking willy-nilly. And we're talking about some, some serious situation that is affecting your relationship with them and the Lord that may spill out and cause disruption in the body. So that's how serious it is. Okay, so we'll talk about that uh, when we get together next Sunday. But in the meantime, uh, let's close out in prayer, and we'll go out and bump fists. <laughs> Holy Father in heaven, um, you know, whenever, whenever, Lord, we study your word and we look at these things, especially when it involves uh, uh, the relational aspect uh, of this life on earth, it just... Well, we know that life can become very complicated. It it can get really kind of screwy at times. And and we just simply need your word. We need uh, your spirit to guide us. We need your wisdom in dealing with people. And especially in those very, very serious situations that can quickly become so volatile. Uh, Holy Father in heaven, please give us the grace and the wisdom and the love that is needed to to meet with folks. Because honestly, Lord... um, I personally, I don't like drama. I don't like trouble. And Father, we always want to seek that that reconciliation and that restoration because, well, if we stop and think about it, Father, uh, we were at odds with you, but yet you loved us enough to send your Son in order to reconcile us back to you again. Father, help us to see that as our as our motive and our model. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.